Hey everyone, welcome to a Friday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast presented by Sibling Revelry Brewing. My name is Dan Lobby. On today's podcast, Mary Kay and I uh, look ahead to the Houston Texans and also talk about the situation with Baker Mayfield and his Instagram comment, all of that fun stuff. Now we did this as a Facebook Live, so what you're going to hear is the audio version of that Facebook Live. So I'm taking some comments, we're interacting with some fans on Facebook Live, but we covered all the topics we wanted to cover, so we figured we'd double it up as a podcast. So when you hear me taking comments and things like that, uh, that's what is going on. Uh, a reminder that we're having an event at Sibling Revelry Brewing's Tap Room in Westlake, December 17th, a couple days after the Broncos game, 8 o'clock to 9.30. We'll talk football. Uh, we'll take questions and all of that stuff. So make sure you check that out. Go to our page that this podcast is posted on and send in your RSVP there. So now here is today's edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. As tends to happen with this franchise, there is usually some other story that's swirling around besides the game, and we're going to start there. And of course, we'll take your comments and questions uh, as we go along here. Uh, on this video, I've got uh, all your comments here. Just got a hello from, from Cleveland, Ohio, from Duchess. So uh, let us know what you're thinking about the Browns. But Mary Kay, let's just start here with Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Um, called Hugh Jackson fake in an Instagram comment. This came after mm-hmm. sun, uh, Sunday when he um, really didn't seem too interested in talking to Hugh Jackson. Gave him a handshake after the win over Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Uh, had some comments about him going to Cincinnati after the game. Uh, some strong comments. I don't think many people had a problem with that, um, out, at least locally. Nationally, though, some people did. That's what set this whole thing off. Um, and Baker called Hugh Jackson fake. Uh, Freddie Kitchens backed Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. This story has just kind of continued to take on life. Yeah, it really was the story that kept on giving this week. And um, like you said, uh, it took on new life on Monday when Damian Woody from, from First Take told Baker to grow up. Baker took exception to that, and that's when he kind of went into the Hugh Jackson was fake. You can't compare this to what I did when I went from Texas Tech to Oklahoma. Then he cited his 30-loss record, and then also then his brother kind of chimed in. So my take on that whole thing was, like you said, I didn't have a huge problem with uh, what he said after the game or even the snub or whatever. That's gamesmanship. That's the stuff that goes on in the course of a game. He kind of used that to get himself fired up a little bit. It galvanized the team. It it helped them get their game faces on, and he really didn't say anything uh, disparaging against Hugh Jackson in that, except for the fact, I mean, he basically just said, I didn't like the fact that he went and took that job in Cincinnati where he was going to try to beat us twice. Then you come out on Monday and say what you said. That's the part where I thought, okay, that's where it, it could have stopped. You know, I don't think that that really needed to happen at that point because it's just not helping the situation at all. It's just, you know, it's just keeping it alive, keeping it going, and then also just drawing some negative attention to the football team. And I think my whole feeling on that, coupled with what Demarius Randall did during the game, is my feeling on it is take the high road. That's all I'm trying to say is just let's be professional at all times, take the high road, and do things with class and professionalism because this is a team on the rise. These are young players. You're trying to change the culture, and I think the culture should be one of not only winning – but one of professionalism and class and just do everything the way that that it should be done in a very professional manner. 
So I, I didn't even like the Demarius Randall handing the ball to Hugh Jackson. I didn't think that that was the kind of look that you would want for your football team as you move forward and establish an identity as a team. That's just my opinion on that. And, and there's, a, you know, there's a lot to be said about where this team is at, mm-hmm. too. Um, this is a young football team, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of young guys, and um, let's be honest, they haven't really done anything yet. They've won two games in a row for the right. first time since 2014. So, um, you know, look, if they go down to Houston and, and mm-hmm. they beat Houston on Sunday, that's a really big deal. And we're going we're gonna to talk about that. We're going to take your questions and comments about that, uh, mm-hmm. too, as we go along here. Um, if, if they go down to Houston and win that game, then it's time to start talking a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Uh, th- th- this did get a little bit over the top. Again, not a real problem with anything that Baker said on Sunday. You know, I mean, I mean, this is kind of the new era of athlete uh, on social media. They'll they'll go on Instagram, and and I do think Baker has a right to defend himself. Certainly, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. absolutely think he has a right to defend himself. Right. Uh, but maybe took it a little bit too far in that Instagram comment. Um, and the other thing too is is this is what I wrote, uh, I believe, on Wednesday. This is kind of the Baker Mayfield experience. Mm-hmm. This is what he is. He he said it himself. He's never been a cookie cutter. Right. He's, he's not going to be Peyton Manning. He's not going to be Tom Brady. He's going to be mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield. And there, there's going to be things like this that, that come with that. Yeah, the, the thing about um, Baker is that I just think he's got the world by the tail right now. He's got the team behind him. He's got the town behind him. And... You know, just just keep it. You know, just keep it on the high road. Keep it on the right path. Keep doing all the right things. Put your best foot foot forward. Uh, you know, look good out there on the field, and let that kind of speak for itself. So, hopefully, going forward, and I, and I kind of wish someone uh, somewhere along the line in the organization would have said something like that. And I know everybody is saying, you know, he's himself, and that's great, and let him be himself. And even Freddie Kitchens came out and said he's speaking the truth, and but it was unprovoked. You know what I mean? It was unprovoked. It was it was Damian Woody calling out <laughs> Baker, not Hugh. Now, of course, if Hugh had said, you know, Baker this and Baker that and Baker, but but it wasn't him. It was it was Damian Woody, and so I kind of think that he just didn't need to go down that road. And I know this is probably an an unpopular opinion, and it's not. I'm not defending Hugh Jackson in this situation. I just think if it was anybody, if it if it had been Mike Pettin or Rob Chudzinski or Eric Mangini. Just keep yourself, just keep your own house in order and just continue to do the right things. This is a football team that I think can contend for sure next year. I really do. And you just want to be uh, sending the right message to your fans and to the whole NFL. Yeah, they, they um, I, I mean, certainly they can contend. Part of this, too, mm-hmm. is they don't really have their head coach yet for next year. They don't really right. have their leader for next year. Now, obviously, Greg Williams has done a nice job as the interim head coach, mm-hmm. but he is still the interim head coach. Right. So um, there, there is a little bit of that substitute teacher feel to it, um, I think, when, when you bring that into play. He didn't even want to talk about it this week. He said they were on to the Texans. Freddie Kitchens was really the only guy that wanted to talk about it, and you would mm-hmm. expect that he would um, certainly back his quarterback in this situation because, as we know, just like Greg, just like everybody else on the mm-hmm. staff, they're all going to audition for the future, and especially if you're on that offensive side of the ball and you want to stay here, it's going to be about your relationship with Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah, absolutely, 100%. And it really seems like Freddie is starting to pick up a little steam in terms of how Baker feels about him, how he, how he feels about Baker, how the offense has looked, and things like that. So once again, you know, just let's keep it to – those guys should try to, you know, just keep it to football. And, you know, he backed his quarterback, and that was okay, but – in backing your quarterback, you don't you want to make sure you're not stepping on someone else. There's no need to do that right now for anybody. So 
Um, you know, look, they've got a huge game to play this weekend. So exciting for Browns fans, for the Browns players, for this whole organization to have an opportunity to go down and beat a Houston Texans team that has won eight games. There's some great storylines in here with Baker Mayfield, go, you know, the, the one they got versus the one they got away in Deshaun Watson. You've got Miles Garrett, who was picked number one overall when the Browns had an opportunity to pick some quarterbacks. So he even said today, I have to prove they make the they made the right decision. I mean, that's kind of cool. You know, there are some really, really good storylines in this, just good football storylines, and it, and we just all need to get back to that. Yeah, I, I will say this, though, and, and I'm curious what all of you thought out there watching um, in the Facebook comments. I, I know a lot of Browns fans really loved uh, what Baker Mayfield did, and they, and they loved what he said uh, after the game. They loved what he did on Monday. They love having that quarterback um, that, that has that chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they certainly have responded to it, and it seems like his teammates have responded to it. Mm-hmm. And you know what? You put it all to rest if you go and win on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing wrong with having a chip on your shoulder. There's nothing, nothing wrong with, with having uh, you know passion for the game. Those are the reasons why Baker Mayfield was drafted here. And everybody wants that. Everybody loves that. And you are getting plenty of that. And that that's great. Um, and I think sometimes, I think sometimes Baker likes to mix it up a little bit and, you know, and kind of get himself really, really fired up to the point where he can get some people against him. Mm-hmm. Because his best stuff comes when he feels like people are doubting him. So he even admitted this week that he's that there is a method to his madness. So he may have gone over the top on purpose just to get some people mixing it up with him, to, to draw the, the Damian Woodies out and to draw the Doug Gottliebs back out <laughs> because it gets him so fired up. So, you know, if that's what he has to do, uh, you know, to, to help him get his game face on, so be it. But along the way, as he matures and grows in the game, hopefully he can get himself to that place uh, in a way where, you know, you don't really necessarily have to diss somebody else to do it. Yeah, and uh, here, here's a comment. We're starting to get some comments rolling in here now, yeah. now that we've started talking a little bit about it. So I'll, I'll get cut up in these. And, and Natalie in the comments says, Baker brings some passion uh, to the Browns that has been lacking for a very long time. And, again, I think that's what a lot of fans mm-hmm. are responding to. And you mentioned it. You know, Baker's a guy who um, has that chip on his shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when you're sitting there describing Baker, I'm yeah. almost thinking, you know, you're, you're almost sort of describing, I think, how people view the city of Cleveland. And I think yeah. that's why fans have, have really attached themselves themselves to what he's done. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael Gibson says, move on from what was said uh, on Sunday. Well, okay, let's move on. Let's talk about the, the Houston Texans. Uh, give a shout out to a couple people. We have somebody watching from Tuscaloosa, uh, Jamil Gwynn uh, from Mansfield. Jason is watching from Mansfield. Somebody from Cuyahoga Falls I saw. Aaron from Cuyahoga Falls over by uh, by my neck of the woods. So uh, good to see that. Uh, let's, let's go through some of these comments now and uh, see what people have to say. Jeffrey Wingfield is asking about the center position because J.C. Treader is listed mm-hmm. as questionable today. He wants to know who is going to play center. Um, and the reality is it's going to be J.C. Treader. He's been mm-hmm. playing through this high ankle sprain for weeks. I don't remember when he first popped up on the injury report exactly. I believe it was after the Chargers game. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been going on for a while and every week he's basically sat out Wednesday and Thursday, got mm-hmm. back to practice on Friday and then played through this injury on Sunday. Yeah, and you know, this is a big, big game that you need the offensive line to be on point in this game. They are going against one of the best sacking teams in the NFL. They're number seven right now. You've got J.J. Watt, who's got 11 and a half. Jadavian Clowney with seven. 
Whitney Merciless with three. Uh, so all across the board on that offensive line, they are going to have to be on point to hold these guys off to keep Baker Mayfield upright. They're probably going to try to keep him in the pocket in this game, uh, which they've seen some teams do before with a little bit of success. And uh, and, and J.C. Treader, he will play. You know, we've watched him gut it out. And, uh, you know, I watch him hobble out of the stadium every Sunday after go- undergoing treatment in the treatment room. So give him a ton of credit for what he's been able to do out there. He's playing through a tremendous amount of pain, but they need him, and they especially need him this week because they don't have Austin Corbett. And, and one of his best assets is his mobility, mm-hmm. uh, his ability. When they go to these some zone blocking schemes, when you go back and watch that Nick Chubb run a few weeks ago, that 92-yard mm-hmm. run, uh, it was his own blocking scheme, and J.C. Treader was able to get out into the second level and opened up the room for uh, for Chubb to break, turn that from maybe an 8-yard gain into a 92-yard gain. Um, so he's very important to this offense and, and the way he's playing. He was in a walking boot for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, uh, it, it's been impressive the way that he's played through it. Yeah, and it's gut check time for this whole offensive line. They have not given up a sack in either of the last two games. That's tremendous because there was a period of time where Baker Mayfield was sacked five times in three straight games. He was getting hit way too much. He's been kept upright for the last two games, hasn't thrown an interception in the last two games, which those two things are closely related to probably. Uh, But, you know, this week it's going to be a different story again with with J.J. Watt. You know, we haven't even mentioned that you're going to get pressure and blitzing from some of the other guys. You've got former Browns head coach Romeo Cornell running the defense down there. Uh, Very, very good, smart defensive coordinator. Uh, He's going to be trying to scheme it up for the rookie and uh, doing everything he can to get to him. Uh, now, Brian has the suggestion that, you know, shotgun quick passes, throw before the Texans pass rush, pass rushers can get to mm-hmm. Baker, and I do think we'll see that. I think one thing Freddie Kitchens has done really well, among a number of things he's done really well, is give Baker a little quicker opportunity to get rid of the ball quicker, mm-hmm. get into, the, like, Duke's hands, uh, Jarvis Landry's hands, get it into playmaker's hands. It would be nice to see Jarvis Landry kind of bounce mm-hmm. back this week. He's He's been a little invisible lately. He hasn't been targeted a whole lot. Um, so it would be nice to see that. Um, so, you know, I think we're going to see some of the quicker stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're going to run the ball. That's one thing they've done since uh, Freddie Kitchens has taken over is run the ball. Nick Chubb is averaging over 20 carries per game. Nobody in the NFL is averaging that number for the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and-, and there's only three guys averaging over 18 carries per game. So they are definitely forcing the run game with Nick Chubb. Yeah, and uh, and again, this is a good run defense that they're playing against. So across the board, they're they're good against the pass. They're good pass rushers, and they're good run defenders. So this is a game where, yeah, they're going to have to try to emphasize the run uh, with both Nick and Duke. And again, like you said, the short passing game. And then I'm sure that Freddie Kitchens has something new in the game plan this week. Oh, yeah. I mean, he has used all different kinds of formations. Uh, You know, they've used... The full house backfield. We've seen five wides. We've seen all different kinds of things. And Romeo Cornell will see things on Sunday that he has not seen on film before from the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Dale disagrees. He thinks that they need to roll Baker out of the pocket. And the thing is, I think you're going to see both. I think you're going to see 
you know, some quick design plays. Mm-hmm. But look, we saw in Cincinnati, Baker has been very good out of the pocket. Showed really nice touch on that ball to Rashard Higgins, mm-hmm. and then a play later hit Antonio Callaway on the touchdown throw. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to let Baker use his legs. And, and what's great about that is with Baker, you know he's got his eyes down the field. And especially with a guy like Higgins, um, that connection he has with him in the scramble drill, mm-hmm. we've seen it over and over again. And he's able to find him when he starts to move around. So having him back is, is a big key uh, to Baker being able to use his legs. Oh, it's been huge for him to have Rashard Higgins back. It, it takes pressure off Jarvis Landry. It gives Baker Mayfield an outlet, a, a target that he really trusts and believes in, and, and I think that's been part of the resurgence of this offense. When I mentioned before about keeping him in the pocket, I wasn't talking about the Browns keeping him in the pocket. Yeah. I was talking about <laughs> Romeo, Romeo Cornell and the Texans trying to keep him in the pocket and keep him from getting out on the run where he can be so dangerous and devastating, keeping his eyes down the field and finding guys like Rashard Higgins, even Rashard Perriman right now. Uh, now Mike is asking us, what are our predictions? He's, he's asking for predictions. Mm-hmm. I've seen some fans put in their predictions. Uh, we made predictions today on a video that's going to go up at cleveland.com don't worry that's not a tease we're going to tell you our predictions here um so i'm sorry browns fans i am picking the texans this week 27 21 i I think they're a really good football team a really good defense i think the browns are playing really well too i Mm -hmm. think it's going to be a good game but it's just you know it's been so long it's hard for me to to kind of pick the browns over and over again if they win this game i think it's a whole new ball game for this team i think it changes a whole lot about how we view this football team even more so than it has already but for now, I'm going to stick with picking the Texans. Yeah, you know what? I, I have to tell you, and I've been saying this all day, Dan, when I saw the Saints lose last night and have their 10-game winning streak snapped by the Cowboys, I thought, it's foreshadowing. This means the Browns are probably going to win this game, snap that eight-game Texans winning streak. And as we come to find out today, Greg Williams was talking to his players about the very same thing. So that has been a theme today. Look, anything can happen any given Sunday. But there's still part of me that thinks that this is a solid enough Texans team. And again, I feel like the Browns are on such a roll. They're sort of a team of destiny right now. They've got a lot to prove. They have to keep their playoff hopes alive by winning this game. Uh, So I do think that they're going to come out and just play over the moon and, and be really ready for this football game. But this is a very complete Texans team. Now, they can catch them off guard. They played Monday night. They just played Monday night. So if they can catch them a little tired, if they can catch them overlooking them just a tiny bit, uh, you know, there is a chance that they can that they can win this game. But there, there are so many things that the Texans do well. Run, pass, Deshaun Watson, hard to get down. He's playing well. Uh, you know, defensively, all the things that we've talked about, I still have the Texans winning this game 24-20. to 20. Uh, now, Bill says the Texans are due for an upset. Why not Sunday? Hey, they are due for an upset mm-hmm. because they've won eight games in a row. That doesn't happen very often in the NFL. Natalie says any given Sunday, which is true, especially mm-hmm. when you're in the middle of the NFL. Uh, Carl Bauer says, boo, you're not a believer to me. Uh, well, it's not that I'm not a believer because I do think this team is headed in the right mm-hmm. direction. It's just yep. hard for me to pick the Browns this week in particular. And the good news for all of you out there is I've been wrong a lot. This is whether so I've been I. picking the Browns or not picking the Browns. I've been wrong a lot. I know I'm below 500 picking games. Uh, this season. So there was a question about the coaching search. So let's talk, let's talk about that here before we go from mm-hmm. Ken. Uh, what direction do you see Brown's management going for a new head coach? And, and I'm also curious what people out there watching think as well, if, if they like the current staff, if they have someone out there that, that they have in mind. But um, what, what direction do you see this team going right now? There's obviously a lot of different ways, you know, college coach, coordinator, uh, 
keep some guys here. Mm-hmm. What, what direction will they go? Well, I all along, I really thought that John Dorsey would come up with a young offensive mind, somebody that would pair very nicely with Baker Mayfield, because that's what this is all about going forward. I figured that he probably had some people in his back pocket that he's been thinking about for four or five years. But I actually think now that there could be something to this Bruce Arians stuff. Bruce Arians wants to coach here, and now if you pair him with Freddie Kitchens, who he said he would keep, you know, there just could be something to that. And because Freddie has developed such a good relationship with Baker, Baker feels so comfortable with him. He's brought a lightness to this offense. He's brought uh, laughter, fun. Uh, He's out there having a good time. You know, Bruce Arians has said that he will not only keep Freddie Kitchens, but even then consider keeping Greg Williams on the defensive yeah. side of the ball, uh, and they have some some good things going on over there. So, I you know I don't know. I think it's at least something they will be willing to explore. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. You know, especially you know I've said it about three or four times. If they win Sunday, it changes a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And I think if they win Sunday, you're coming home to play Carolina, who's a good team. Now maybe you do start thinking, do they have something here? And and I don't know that you're really going to look at Greg Williams as your long-term option as head coach. I I do think the idea of keeping him as a defensive coordinator is interesting, but it starts to build momentum for a guy like Freddie Kitchens. If he goes out there and out-game plans this pass rush, there's – this is their interview right now. Mm-hmm. These these last few games, starting all the way back when the firings happened, and now these last five games, this is an interview for everyone on this staff. Yeah, and when you look at it, yes, Bruce Arians is 66 years old. Um, but if you pair him, again, if you pair him with a younger guy like Freddie Kitchens, who you can almost groom into the role, mm-hmm. you're sort of getting uh, you know, a two-for-one deal there where, where Bruce can oversee the whole thing for you know three or four years, and then maybe... Freddie works into the job and grows into the job. So I think there actually could be something there worth exploring for John Dorsey. Again, I think there's a lot of people on his list. He's going to play it very, very close to the vest. There may be people that he has in mind that we haven't even thought about yet. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, one thing I will say is everyone, it's a natural to think about Lincoln Riley. I keep hearing from people who are fairly close to the situation, that Lincoln Riley is pretty committed to staying at Oklahoma and that he's very, very serious about that. Can they change his mind? I don't know, but that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, and it, it seems like, you know, obviously the Browns have the Baker Mayfield chip to play, mm-hmm. but um, that, that would be interesting. And the other thing about Lincoln Riley, too, is, is I know the game is changing and I know things are different now and you'd bring him in because of the system he runs and his familiarity with Baker Mayfield, but... Um, you do have to at least think about how difficult that leap has been for so many guys to go from college to the NFL. It's not to say that Lincoln can't do it. It's not to say that he wouldn't be the right choice, Mm -hmm. but it is something you have to think about. You can't just write in pen that he's going to come up here and be a great coach. Chip Kelly was that guy Mm -hmm. all the way back when the Eagles hired him, this great forward-thinking offensive mind, and it just didn't work for him up in the NFL, and now he's back at UCLA. So does that happen with Lincoln Riley? I don't know. That's the thing about these college guys. We don't know about any of them, but – you know, it should give you a little pause at least. Mm-hmm. It's a case-by-case basis, obviously. And if you bring in somebody like a Lincoln Riley, I think you'd have to have some coordinators with some NFL experience. You'd have to have really good advisors that can kind of uh, help him come up the learning curve very quickly in the NFL because it would be like an avalanche of information going from college to the NFL, and you would need some help with that. And the good news for guys, for people who do want Lincoln Riley here, um, if the Cowboys keep winning. Because that's the other job you kind of keep hearing him tied to is maybe Jerry Jones backs mm-hmm. up the Brinks truck uh, for Lincoln Riley next year. But 
if the Cowboys keep winning, maybe Jason Garrett gets another year. So that would be good news for Browns fans uh, that won Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. Okay, appreciate everyone tuning in here to watch us on Facebook Live. Sorry for that little hiccup we had uh, earlier, but uh, we, we got this done. We appreciate your comments and your predictions. A lot of you picking the Browns. Uh, so maybe you guys will end up being right in the end. Uh, from Mary Kay Cabin, I'm Dan Lobby. Thanks for watching.